had to get a sip of water there. Sorry about that. Uh, welcome back in the Bruce Woolley Show on 98.9 FM, The Answer, and uh, 989theanswer.com. I want to talk about uh, House Bill 14, Equal Parental Time and Responsibilities for a Child. Uh, primary sponsor, uh, Rodney Creech, and then our next guest, she is State Representative Marilyn John. She's a Republican from the Richland County area. Uh, State Representative, welcome to the Bruce Woolley Show. How are you this afternoon? I'm doing great. How are you, Jack? I am fired up. I've tried not to talk about this bill too much because it makes my blood pressure go up. <laughs> and uh, I'm excited well, to talk to you about it in a good way. You're doing the right thing in my in my eyes. Thank you. Um, we feel pretty passionate about this bill as well. Um, I'm certainly not impacted the way um, others like you have been, but um, we're hoping to uh, change it for the future. So um, it's an important piece of legislation. For sure. And I know your co-sponsor, Rodney Creech, has been impacted. I've had some off-the-record personal conversations with him, and I can relate with his story and why this bill is necessary, particularly in his eyes. And uh, so thank you for doing the legwork on it. Let me ask you this basic question. What does it do? And from the 80-20 rule, you know, 20% of things give you 80% of the results. So like, what are the big pieces of this legislation that are seismic changes in the, in the juvenile court system? So the most seismic change would be to require courts to begin at a, an equal parenting um, presumption when deciding custody cases. And right now, as an example, there are over 40 counties out of 88 counties in the state of Ohio that have an automatic um, starting point at two days out of 14. Wow. Um, So that means that one parent, the non-custodial parent, is only is starting at two out of 14 days time with their child. And we don't feel that that is adequate. We don't feel that that is in the best interest of a child to only be, to only have access to one of their parents um, two days out of 14. And so that's really the, the biggest change mm-hmm. would be to, to, require that courts begin at a 50-50 or substantially equal parenting time, parenting decision-making. Because we do feel that if there are two parents that are quality people, quality parents who just shouldn't be together anymore or have decided not to be together anymore, that doesn't mean they shouldn't be with their children. And we feel that it's in the best interest of children and families to do that. That's a huge change, the 50-50 time and responsibility. What does the bill not do? And and maybe answering it from the perspective of I'm sure there are red herring arguments from the Ohio Judicial Conference and the Ohio Bar Association. What does the bill not do? The bill does not in our opinion, hamper the courts from making decisions based on fact. If there are facts present where domestic violence has occurred, where there is um, abuse, that does not keep the courts from 
um, bringing that information to the table and using it in making the decision. Nobody wants children to be in an unsafe environment. Nobody does. That's right. And um, this bill is not preventing courts from using facts in their decision-making. It doesn't take any of the factors that they currently use in making these decisions away. It just states that they should begin at equal parenting. And it also, another thing that the bill does is it requires um, action on, um, um, it, it requires action within nine months. Okay. So right now, uh, you, I'm sure you're very well aware of this. The, the court can, this can be drawn out for years. Oh, yeah. And parents can be kept away from their children during some of the, the um, most important times of a child's life for years. And then a court can, co- can come in and say, well, things are going so well for the child now. And they have, you know, they, they have established a life that it, it's good for the kid. And we don't want to change that. Yep. Well, the courts shouldn't be taking that long to make those decisions, and this bill would require on temporary orders that action be taken within nine months. You know, that is a a really good provision, and I say that I know personally a family that had a change to a shared parenting agreement. One of the changes was that there was supposed to be a parent coordinator, somebody to step in because the, the the case had been litigated four times, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars spent. And so the parental coordinator is supposed to say, well, well, you know, I'll hear these disputes and we'll decide them without going through the whole rigmarole. It's been a year and the court has still not authorized and fully approved the parental coordinator. So absolutely courts get behind. I'm I'm really encouraged to hear you say that when this thing gets stamped, you've got nine months. That's super important um, because ha- things happen. <laughs> um, well, me... in nine months in the life of a child. Oh, my goodness. That, I so, mean, a significant amount happens in nine months. Yep. Even I mean, I think about that and I think nine months might be too long, but that's where we are. And we think that it's important that a court make these decisions in a timely manner. And that's in the best interest of a child. Now, I understand that there were some changes. Um, I kind of caught wind of it. it. When I look at the Ohio legislature website, it, it doesn't show that necessarily reflect some of the changes I'm hearing. Were there some big changes in committee this week, and what were those changes? Yes. Um, and please understand that our goal is to get the best bill we can across the finish line because mm-hmm. we need to make change. And so in working with the opponents of the bill um, to help ensure that we can get the votes to get it out of committee and get it out of the House and over to the Senate, we have made some compromise. Right now, the evidentiary standard in the initial bill was clear and convincing, which is a higher standard than um, what we are settling for, which is preponderance of the evidence. Now, we are still looking at that to see if there is some way we can tweak the preponderance. We have two attorneys in our caucus that are um, members who are looking at that to see if that can be tweaked to make that stronger so that um, it really, like it has to be clear. 
Um, but that, that, that has been a compromise um, that we have taken. There's also a couple of other states that have passed similar bills. One is Arizona. The Bar Association very much like a um, statement that was in there. So we, it, we've incorporated part of that Arizona statement in at the request of the Bar Association. Um, we also took um, the equal parenting term and we included substantially equal where you may have parents who have work schedules that because of their work schedule wouldn't allow them to have exactly 50-50. Maybe it allows them to have Mm 45-55. Well, that is substantially equal. Yep. So we did change it to substantially equal. Um, The other thing that this just came out, and I think this is critical, is uh, it requires the courts to ask the parents if they wish to enter a shared parenting agreement. So for those of us that are not attorneys, that are not in the courts every day, the legalese of what happens in a court can oftentimes be very confusing and most times be very confusing. And so we don't want there to be a decision made because we're assuming that a parent doesn't want to enter a shared parenting agreement. We want it to be clear. We want the, the court to ask the parents, not assume they, that someone, an attorney or someone else has asked them. We want the courts to ask them, do you wish to enter a shared parenting agreement so that it's clear to the parents what their rights are? Um, and it's clear to the courts what the parents' wishes are. So, and if, um, it also puts, it also requires that the court put findings in writing if the courts rule otherwise, so mm, that there is a record, record. of yep. why the court is making the decision that they're making. That's important. Hey, um, I'm going to put you on the spot. You can say no. Can you stick around at the other side of the break for eight minutes? I've got two more questions for you. I can. Okay, excellent. I am joined by State Representative Marilyn, Marilyn John. She's a Republican. Uh, from Shelby, Ohio. Go Whippets. Uh, You're listening to 98.9 FM, The Answer. Uh, Jack Windsor filling in for Bruce Hooley. And uh, State Representative John will be back with me on the other side of this break. Welcome back into the Bruce Hooley Show. Uh, State Representative Marilyn John is with us. And we're talking about House Bill 14, which is in the Ohio House Families and Aging Committee right now. Um, thank you for sticking with me, Representative. I really appreciate your time today. Absolutely. So I have a couple of hard questions for you, <laughs> and, and it might be going a little too far in the weeds. So one of the things you, you learn in, in, in divorce recovery groups is that mm-hmm. bad faith fabricated stories are the currency of divorce and custody cases. They really are. And uh, mm-hmm. we've had attorneys talk with groups before, and uh, attorneys will say eight to nine out of ten cases contain false and bad faith claims, one parent against another, for many reasons. It could just be anger, scorn, or worse, to intimidate, smear the other parent, and, and maybe scare them into submitting to a plan that is really bad for the kid and bad for the other parent. So mm-hmm. let's talk about those things. My first question there is, if this bill passes, is it retroactive? Can, can a parent who's been drugged through the mud, three or four cases, 
go back and say, hey, look, preponderance of evidence, that's 51 to 49. <laughs> it's a little easier to prove this parent was in bad faith. Is it retroactive or is it just going forward? I believe it is just going forward, sadly, um, because I'm aware also personally of situations just like what you're talking about. But our goal is, honestly, that if we can take it to equal parenting, that that brings the temperature of the situation down. Mm. If we don't have something for the this couple doesn't want to live together anymore to fight over, then hopefully they can move on with their lives. And we can, again, bring the temperature of the situation down. Um, most parent, most, most couples that are going through divorce, the biggest thing they're fighting over are the kids. And, you, you know, if that is taken, that, that argument mm-hmm. is um, taken down a notch, then hopefully the situation um, or uh, times there where there are false claims made, hopefully that goes away some. I, you know, it's still going to exist. What is it they call it, the silver bullet, where yeah. you get a protection order? Yeah. I, I know of a situation where that absolutely happened, and the protection order was granted, and the person that asked for the protection order was the abuser. But guess what? She knew what she was doing. Yep, hundred percent. And she got the protection order, and and uh, it worked in her favor for a while. So, and it's not always the woman that's doing that, but often it is. And so, hopefully, it brings the temperature of these situations down, which is in the best interest of children, absolutely, and families moving forward. Everybody just needs, and you need to be able to move on with your life. Absolutely. That's well said. Well, let me ask this question because I got an email on it and I'm, I'm trying to go through it and, and really boil it down. So with because you just said it, false claims and the silver bullet really is protection order, protection order. Well, I can go to the website and pull that up. Well, this person must be an abuser. Um, there's a concern that reporting in these cases now will be more prevalent. Now, I would assume that if juveniles juveniles are involved, then you know there are some protections there. But it looks like this is from a father's group person. Um, it does this increase the reporting of domestic and juvenile cases that would potentially air more false claims and, and make them more accessible to people searching on the internet? Well, we certainly would hope that it wouldn't. And the irony in that is. Um, on the other side of that, from the domestic violence networks, the claim is that this will this will um, deter people from um, putting forth those domestic violence calls. But I also would point out that when it comes to domestic violence, domestic violence you don't it's not just men that are committing domestic violence. Um, you know, I, I know of a situation where a couple. I said to the to the husband, why aren't you calling the police when she hits on you? And his response was, because when they get there, I'm the one who's getting arrested. Yep. I'm 10 inches taller than her. I'm getting arrested. She's not getting arrested. Yep. And so I think there are claims that are not that are not happening because there's fear that the person who is being abused, if 
it is a man is going to be arrested. And they're probably right. Yeah. I, I, so I, I, yeah. I hear it from both sides, and our hope is that um, that's not going to happen. And again, we bring the temperature of the situation down. So we've got about two minutes here. What's next? Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you see this coming out of committee soon? Do you think that the uh, House as a whole has an appetite for it? Have you heard anything from other lawmakers in the Senate, whether they like it or, and, and maybe whether Governor DeWine would sign this into law? So we are continuing to work to get it out of committee and out of the House. Um, I hope that is going to be soon. But again, we've got to get there's 99 members of the House and it takes 50 votes to get it out. So we're continuing to work on that. I, I'm hesitant to give a time frame. I, I hope it is soon. We do have uh, we're beginning talks with um, some of the senators to see where they are and hopefully we can move it forward um, as soon as possible. But it takes time to pass laws, and it should, because we want to make sure that we get it right, as, as right as we can get it. Yep. And so um, for everyone involved. And so we're really working hard to make sure that happens. Yeah. Well, and the legislative process is great for that. And uh, I'm a huge mm-hmm. fan of it. In fact, I wish we'd do things you know, that we try to use a constitutional amendment for. I wish we'd run them through the legislative process because, you know, you get a chance to hear proponent testimony, opponent testimony. And uh, I just think that makes better public policy when you can have robust, honest discussion and people are on the record. Uh, State Representative Marilyn John, she's a Republican from Shelby. Thank you for joining us today. And certainly we'll have you back for updates. And uh, again, thanks for putting in all the work on House Bill 14. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jack. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. And, uh, hey, phone lines are open. What do you think? It's uh, it's a step forward. Can you imagine being in a county where you have two out of 14 days? That's crazy to me. That's just that's the default. And if you don't like it, you got to you got to hire an attorney. You got to spend money and you got to fight. So it may not be perfect. But it's an improvement based on what I've heard. I'm interested in what you think. Up next, G. Van Fleet. You don't want to miss this conversation. Her family came to the United States escaping Mao's China. And there are some really scary similarities between that and this Biden America. You want to hear her story next. Next.